Hello everybody, this is Bill Harper, and what you're about to hear is part one of a two-part interview between myself and Chris Galliano on the subject of finding your purpose. Hello everybody, this is Bill Harper, back with you on Wave 94, and I am back with my good friend Chris Galliano. Remember, we just talked about your new book, Chris, uh, Little Bombanani's Really Big Thought. Good to be with you, Bill. Yes, once again. We've had so much discussion about this thing, and we're here to talk about an idea that Chris said to me, and I said, we got to record this, we got got to go after this. Chris said to me the other day, we were not put here to be happy, but we were put on this earth for our purpose. Contention is that when you really find your purpose and you're living in your sweet spot, uh, you're going to be so much happier. Take that, Chris. Well, again, that's uh, an idea that I didn't come up with. I stole that from uh, Bigger Brains. I think it goes way back to the ancient Greeks. Uh, but I think it's also a, a Christian perspective as well. If we, if we set our, our main goal to be happy, we're going to be disappointed. But if we make our main goal living out of our purpose, we will find happiness. And so if you set your, your heart on being happy, it's, it's a very selfish position, and you end up being disappointed. Purpose is uh, a much larger life than just trying to be happy. Happy. I've heard that happiness depends on happenings, the little events that are flowing through your life. Maybe we're talking about joy. Joy being that deeper current yeah. in your life yeah. that is fulfilling. Right. And when joy is present, a deeper joy, then all the bad happenings don't affect you as much. Is that? Right. Yeah, joy is, uh, it's much deeper than just moments of happiness, I would think, you know. I keep thinking of something that a professor that I had years ago told about uh, where he illustrated this point. Uh, He went over to a friend's house and they had a fantastic dinner. Uh, It was a man and wife he knew. And uh, they had some, you know, wine, and they, they, uh, he put on this album on the record player. Of course, this was years ago, and I can't remember if it was Mozart's Requiem Mass or whatever it was. It was some classical piece, and he said he remembered being so moved. I mean, it was like a moment of ecstasy, and it was one of the greatest moments of just sitting there and absorbing this incredible piece. And then he said, like, I don't know if it was weeks later or whatever. I don't know if he was in his own house, but he he got the album. He put it on himself. He sat in the chair with his glass of wine, and he was waiting to have this moment of ecstasy again. Mm. And it wasn't the same. Mm. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, he was chasing the happiness instead of letting that be a byproduct. And I think there's more to that. I think Mm. being with good friends in that moment, there was a lot more going on than just him sitting there and getting excited about hearing a great, you know, classical piece. Being with good friends in the moment is why I'm here with you, by the way. You know, to capture this. By the way, listeners, Bill Harper here on Wave 94. I'm with my good friend Chris Galliano, who just wrote, uh, published his book, Little Bombanani's Really Big Thought. There's another podcast on that. And we had the greatest conversations. I remember I'd be driving long distances in the RV, and you'd talk me across the state of Nebraska. You know, just having these wonderful conversations, so we had to pick it up. The notion, the idea of finding your purpose, the the movie clip 
the legend of Bangor Vance came comes to me. Um, by the way, we used to do a retreat called Return to Glory, and Chris was my AV man working the computers. He was also a speaker, and we brought this message, this retreat, which is basically a reproduction of the Wild at Heart boot camp that John Eldridge does. But we use a lot of movie clips to illustrate the river of life we're in, the, the, the life, and because they're so moving because they create a transcendent window in a man's heart. If you've never seen the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance, there is a scene in there where uh, Juna, a very wounded, he came back from World War I with tons of wounds, and this golf caddy is trying to help him win this golf tournament, and he gets him at night, and he helps him find his swing again says to Juna, we got to go find your swing. And that so moved me about living in the place where God wants us to be that sometimes in this life we lose our swing. We lose the natural, beautiful flow of our swing, which is just purpose, isn't it? Yeah. Same thing? Yeah, I would think so. And that's that's been one of the biggest struggles in my life is finding my swing. What is my thing? And I was always easily manipulated by other people to think that my thing was something else. My purpose was some, somewhere mm. else. And as I'm, you know, 55 years old now, and I'm just starting to feel mm. like I'm living out of a purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes makes the other parts of life more bearable. You know, when I wasn't living out of that purpose, everything was just drudgery. Uh, jobs that I took that weren't me, I was just oh, doing yeah. them to pay the bills. And they were drudgery because there was no other part of me that was alive. And I think, you know, now that I'm, you know, writing children's books, and again, that may just be part of my overall purpose, but there's a, a feeling of contentment, that joy we were talking about, joy. that uh, that makes, kind of smooths off the rough edges of the other stuff that I have to do in life, you know. Wow. Uh, folks, I got to let you know that I've known my good friend Chris for, was since 2007, that first retreat we did, I think, 2007, 2008, and watched him go through all kinds of tasks and jobs and the one that he hated i was praying for him to find a release i was praying lord help him find a way out lo and behold he did uh, and exited uh, a burning building right before it collapsed Um, i'm so glad i am seeing that in you chris i am seeing a light and a lift and a smile there was a burden that i've seen on your shoulders that is being released you've dropped mm. your baggage yeah okay yeah. because you're yeah. sensing that purpose yeah yeah and, and and you know it wasn't it wasn't my employer it wasn't the job it wasn't the situation the problem was within me because had i been living out of my purpose and i was doing that job more so i think i would have been freer doing it mm-hmm. um yeah and for me uh Okay, I was raised as a military pilot, got commissioned in the Air Force and went off to fly jets, and I thought that was my world. It was a good job. It's a, it was, uh, I'm grateful that I had that avenue, but my entire worth and being was put into my performance as a pilot. My flight suit and silver wings was my false self, and I would hide everything behind it. I thought that was my purpose. You want to be good at what you do. You don't want to screw this up. Of course, that's a corollary, uh, maybe more of a task than a purpose. 
And it wasn't until recovery in, in 2005 and being totally broken that I actually, I, I say again, that God actually started breaking me of that prior to 2005, seeing that uh, my check ride did not define me. And here, when I find my purpose, lo and behold, during this pandemic, this radio show kind of just fell in my lap. I never saw it coming. But here we are doing things that we can share and spread the gospel and do the word in this time of pandemic when we can't get together. Uh, and I'm seeing him open all kinds of doors for things that I never saw coming. Yeah, I wanted to, to go back to the uh, talking about you as a pilot. Maybe at one time you saw that as your calling, as your, uh, yeah. as your purpose. And, you know, I think, I think that God can lead us into things that are you know, temporary, they're going to be part of our life that are to serve as a training ground for our purpose later on. Mm. So that you, we think of it as wasted time or I went in the wrong direction, but it may have been, you know, you go to boot camp. What do you do? You're climbing over wooden logs and swinging on ropes and running through mud puddles. And what does that got to do with anything? Well, it, it's just training. It, I mean, it's almost in and of itself, it seems meaningless. But it's to prepare you for battle or whatever it may be. Right. Uh, and so a lot of the things we went through, the jobs of drudgery, when we were not in our purpose, you know, God was using that to right. form us in a way. Right. And there's a lot that you have learned being a pilot that you can now apply to what you do. Teamwork, by the way, what probably the most valuable thing I learned in the military was how to lead, how to follow or know when to get out of the way, right, and let things happen. That, that's a great lesson for what God's kingdom is at work. And one of the greatest, I guess, experiences in my last squadron that I was in was serving with a whole bunch of guys where our mission was saving people. The mission of combat rescue in the Air Force is to save another life. And our motto was, we give our lives that others may live. These things we do that others may live. He gave his life that we might live. Does, do you see the parallel? Mm. The purpose of saving people. There was an amazing camaraderie and energy in that squadron of men that I didn't see in the fighter squadrons or the training squadrons because we're rescuing. We're about the business of saving lives. And I think that has brought us back years together with a common purpose. Fighter pilots score kills, right? And they put their little symbols mm. on the side of the airplane to have mm. a kill. But rescue pilots call them saves. They, they rescue people and they get them right. saves. It's a really amazing feeling to come wow. back, flying back home with a guy in the back of the helicopter that probably would have been dead wow. if you hadn't been there. A smaller purpose. But that's what we're doing right now, isn't it? In a way. It's Rescuing. Not it's not up to me. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it could be a byproduct of what we're doing. It's uh, not up to me. It won't be my intention. I mean, yes, it is my intention, but uh, I don't have any control over the outcome mm. of what we're doing. You were talking about this guy who had this song that moved him deeply. Music has been moving me very deeply. And what I'm learning to do, when the song hits, I can't always pull the lyrics out of the audio. So I'll read the lyrics, I'll print them, I'll follow them like a psalms, mm. like a song, and read the lyrics. Uh, the one that hit me this morning that we're going to hear about later is called Being Together. And how we work together in our brokenness, it's coming up later. But it also, I guess, brings me back to the present. 
uh, brings me back to thoughts of God in a bigger picture. Uh, and he's all around us um, in the present. It's funny. That makes me think of th- this talk I was listening to on purpose. And I forgot who it was. Some philosopher was saying that that really everything has purpose and meaning. And that there's not anything that we experience that is without purpose or meaning, whether we know it or not. Right. So every line of every song, every note, every leaf that falls, everything around us can affect us in a way and be God speaking to us yes. in some way, shape, or form. You know, it may not be loud, it may not be very specific or clear, but it's, uh, you know, he's speaking to us on different levels and mm-hmm. all the time. You know, sometimes very specifically at moments, mm-hmm. sometimes very generally. Uh, and sometimes it's not even with thoughts or concepts. It's, it's a, a sense that we have, that we get. You know, like when you see a sunset, there's, there's no words involved with that. There's no, you can't formulate what's going on in my brain right now. It's not a chemical reaction. Something is happening in the spirit when you see that, that sunset that's beyond words. And then that's God speaking beyond language. Oh, mercy. The, the sound of God speaking to me through his creation uh, thank God that I have learned to be present to that over the last few years because it is incredibly nourishing. If you notice that a sunset, you cannot capture it in a photo. You cannot capture it in a painting. You can do the best human yes. rendition. Yes. Yeah. But that yeah. physics of the yeah. glow of yeah. the photons going yeah. through refracted light yeah. at the end of the day, you just can't capture it. It's yeah. almost like... God's saying, this is for your eyes only. Yeah. But quite often, I'll try to fumble with my phone and yeah. catch a yeah. picture of my, something. My wife does that all the time. And she said, it just doesn't do it justice. It does not do it ju- the real thing justice. And, you know, and I want to think about that when you mentioned it, the talking about happiness. That moment you have where you see that sunset, how long does it last? Right. M- maybe 30 seconds. And uh-huh. then it fades. It disappears. It's like... You know, God gives us these little things, but we can't hold on to them. They're not going to be 24-7. They're just those little moments. And we didn't really seek them out. He gave it to you, you know. Wow. You don't get to decide when you're going to get to see a beautiful sunset. Wow. Well, um, the notion, the idea that is coming to me more and more, I talked about it in a podcast about entitled Godspeed, is learning to be present. I am a task man that moves from one task to another and I accomplish this and I fill that square and I get that done and I get that done and and, and I feel really good at myself at the end of the day and now I get my reward. But I missed all the relationships. I missed being in the moment. And the one thing I'm hearing more and more now, Bill, pay attention, is to be present in the moment. Talking about sunsets or talking about little things, I'll capture a beautiful scene. I'll be around a beautiful scene. I got my camera with me, my phone, and I'll fumble with the phone and try to get it out and take a picture that never works. You never get it right there. And then I'll miss the moment of the really beautiful thing. And later, God has been telling me after I fumble with my phone and miss the whole thing, by the way, he'll say, this was for your eyes only. This was just for you. And had I been present enough to put my phone down and just absorb it, I would have felt his presence more, being present. This is for your eyes only. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, 
my wife and I, we lament hiring this photographer that we had for our, our wedding and our wedding reception because we spent our entire wedding reception being drugged around by this <laughs> by this right. photographer for pictures. And that's all it was. We don't really have any memories of sitting with people, with talking, enjoying the food. We didn't get to enjoy the moment because it was all about the photos, capturing yeah. the memories of something yeah. that didn't happen. You know, yeah. I would rather have had the, the memory of the moment than, uh, than the photo that I... My wedding was like that. I didn't get many people to capture, but my daughter's wedding was better because I didn't have to worry about that so much. Thank it's you. a very yeah. interesting thought how we have to try to capture everything and we get so distracted. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking the other day. You said something profound I wrote down. It says, once you get moving into your purpose, Chris, uh, you said the particulars of a single piece or a single thing of the day, uh, whatever goal you set, don't matter that much. Like I'm hanging, I would hang all of my worth on creating this one per- thing and perfectionism comes into that, doesn't it? Right. But when you're, when you're moving into a bigger purpose and finding that the, the little pieces don't matter that much, pick that up. Yeah, um... It's kind of like with the happiness, the moments of happiness. You know, if you're living out of joy and out of purpose, you're not worried about those particular moments of happiness. And I guess it's the same whether you're a writer or an artist or whatever you do. Um, if you don't, you know, hang your whole self-worth on that piece, I have to create the Sistine Chapel today when I do this, that this is just a part this is one brick in a larger right. uh, structure of my purpose that frees you up incredibly, um, and you don't, you know, you don't panic and, and, and go into this you know mode of fear and uh, self doubt because of it. So it really is liberating. It, it really is liberating. Well, there's somebody bigger in charge when you know that he's got your back. What did I tell students in flight training? It's your job to make mistakes because then you learn from them. Mm-hmm. And God is so gentle with me as I run down this road and, well, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do or, you know, I get confused. Can I say something? Maybe I'm playing the role of counselor here. Uh, and maybe this is an incorrect assessment of the two of us. Wise counsel is good. <laughs> uh, well, I'll throw it out there and uh, maybe God can do something with it. I don't know. Uh, no, when I think of you and I, we're, we're, we share a lot of values, but we're different in a lot of ways. And you say that you're task oriented. And I have seen that. I mean, you can get very scrupulous with details, which is very good. You know, you can be Martha, but, you know, when something has to be done, you're the implementer. And I'm not that. I'm more the kind of loosey-goosey, more creative type. Um, but I noticed that you are your own taskmaster. This is, this is what I would say what the difference is. You drive yourself, and it may be personality, it may be your military training. Whereas with me, my taskmasters are the voices of others. Mm. So I'm not driving myself like you are, but I'm letting those voices of other people drive me. And I think of like working with a customer. You talk about taking the time to be in the moment. I'll be working with a customer and they'll start telling me a story about how their husband had cancer and, and suddenly they're taking up a lot of your time with this story. And I can get caught up in the moment. I want to hear their story and, and, and show them some compassion. But all of a sudden, the taskmaster, uh, you don't have time for this. This is, you got to move on to the next customer. 
that's exactly my battle right now the voices in my head and I do have them trust me about the battle to be present the battle to stop and listen the battle to silence all these complete competing things and be present for this one person who's telling this story that is something I clearly need to pay attention to and work out uh, it happened the other day but briefly as I pay attention to it and I am severely hobbled I am not good at this at all but pay attention be, be remember this and um, and and little by little I'm making that choice to shut off the voices to turn down the noise to clear that task list off my screen in my head and be present and pay attention that is is just huge that the being present is such a far-reaching concept a deep concept being present to other people being present to God this nation this notion this idea that I'm trying to, to pick up of living at God's speed and slowing down I told my friend yesterday make sure every day if you see something make sure you do something fun and frivolous and when you see something you want to enjoy when you see something to participate in put everything aside as hard as you have to force it out and enjoy the moment and be in the moment that does a couple of things it teaches you how to recognize and be there but it also gives it that wonderful nourishment that we need to sit at the feet of jesus like mary and martha we're going to get into mary and martha because we've been talking about it so much yeah it doesn't it, it seems so simple and so easy to do to put enjoyment and being in the moment and other people first that seems to be the easiest thing in the world and yet it's not no but i think our world is designed uh by whom i don't know but we certainly participate in it but we design a world that constantly tells us that you know living that way is not right that we have to be taskmasters we have to be on schedule I and mean, our phones are telling us what to do when to get up when to exercise how many calories to take in <laughs> yeah it, it's crazy we so we create taskmasters beyond those in our head and, and again i understand that you know order and structure is important and schedules um because they say something not scheduled never happens you know but uh again it's finding that balance and I don't know if I would know how to do that. How do we find that balance? How do we leave room for the spirit? We have uh, been learned. We have been graded all our lives by performance, yeah, right? And the yeah. scoring system in this world is not spiritual connection right. mm -hmm. or being in right. the moment. It's productivity. It's productivity and, and, yeah, and, and performance. Timeliness and all of that. And um, I guess this is where Mary and Martha is going to come in. I was studying uh, Luke 24 the other day, the story of Mary and Martha. And if you remember, Jesus had come to Bethany and was invited into the home of Mary and Martha. Remember that Martha is preparing a big meal. She's in the kitchen. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And at one point, Martha comes over to Jesus and says, Jesus, I I'm, I'm dying over here. Can you ask Mary to help me? And Jesus responds with, and I've looked at several languages. He says, Mary has made the better choice, or another uh, interpretation, Mary has made a more advantageous choice, and it will not, will not be taken from her. Now, let's unpack this for a second. Um, somebody's got to be the Martha in the world. Somebody's got to put the spread out on the table. Somebody's got to make an income for the family. Somebody's going to do the work mm -hmm. to maintain the home yeah. and the income yeah. stream and everything usually yeah. falls on, well, both both 
couples these days. But the point of the, the Mary thing there is that she was sitting at the feet of Jesus to recharge, to soak him up. It's almost like she has chosen to put on her oxygen mask and, and soak up the spirit uh, in time that it is so necessary, right? And I'm thinking about the words of uh, how do, we don't know that later that night in that dinner that Mary and Martha didn't agree to change places so that Mary does the cleanup and Martha gets to sit at the feet of Jesus. If it was you and me, we'd do that, wouldn't we? Right. Right. And then the other question is, there's that one phrase, that wonderful verse I've always seen in there when Jesus addresses Martha and he says, Martha, Martha. Now, I've always had the picture of Jesus shaking his head with some disdain in his voice uh, Martha, Martha, you just don't understand. And last night I was talking to my friend Brad, and this came to me. What if that inflection of that voice was not how it happened? Maybe it was like this. Okay, uh, Martha's over there, and she's uh, she's getting hypoxic because she's running out of her nourishing oxygen. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, come here. Put your oxygen mask on. Martha, Martha, where he summons her, to pay attention, summons her to come over here and sit at the feet. Maybe that was the way it went down. I don't know. It's funny. No, it's not funny. It's God's way that years later, after having read that scripture time and time again, I unpack the Marthas of the world. See, I have a Martha spirit all the time because I'm so task-oriented and mm. I get wound up. Mm. And I get in the kitchen unless everything's perfect. I'm not happy. Mm. Right? Happiness. Yeah. Where's the joy when I'm preparing yeah. the meal? But the point of this now to me is you got to do both. Somebody's got to yeah. do the work. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Jesus was addressing addressing the task. I think he was addressing her underlying attitude towards it. Right. And and it was so bad that it flowed over into her comparing herself to her sister and demanding that she she help out. So she even if she saw doing the service as her her task it wasn't just her she wanted her sister to to participate in the suffering you know um that's right uh there's the hook in that martha spirit when you're irrita irritable and you can't get it done and where's the help the, the hook is the comparison right when right. you compare yourself to others right when martha compares herself to mary who's sitting over there soaking up the spirit of jesus uh, that's the evil hook yeah. that you compare yeah. my situation yeah. to everybody else. And I fall into that every day. Like you go to wash a dish and, you know, it's either my daughter's or it used to be roommates. Their dishes are stacked to the ceiling in the sink and you get angry. It's like, <laughs> I'm trying to do my task and yours is in the way. Or I go to the, the, the dryer and I go to pull out or go to dry my clothes and somebody else's are still in there. Um, so I think it was the underlying attitude. I would think that, that uh, not that she was doing the cooking. You know, and, and there's other levels to that, too. I think that story has so much in it. Uh, you know, like I said, there was a tradition in Christianity of religious communities that had different charisms. And one of those charisms was to do prayer and contemplation primarily, whereas others, the charism might be service towards the poor. Right. Uh, and to show both of those in that story, that one was a charism of service, one was a charism of prayer. Both are important. They may be primary for you, but both are necessary, you know, in your walk with God. Right. 
Uh, once again, listeners, this is Bill Harper talking to Chris Galliano, and we're roaming all over the map today, but the, <laughs> the main topic is finding your purpose and living out of your purpose. Uh, man, it took me a long time, and I'm still, thank God, still has more purposes for me. And, and in that purpose, in when we find a sweet spot, like Bagger Vance says, we got to go find your swing that we will experience amazing amounts of joy. And maybe the happiness is an elusive thing that we can understand that it depends on happenings. But finding that purpose and joy. And I'm sitting here across the table listening to my, just having a conversation with my good friend. We're hoping this is going to bring you to a place where you can slow down uh, and, and be present. Um, but the topic statement tonight was finding our purpose. God did not put us on this planet to be happy, happy necessarily as an end, but he put us here to find a purpose. And a um, uh, little, little funny story, back when we were doing our retreats, Chris and I, uh, we had a lot of details we had to manage. Chris was getting the audio-visual presentation of the clips perfect. We had to get the speakers on. We had to get the timing right. We can't run late. We got to be on time for lunch and all this logistics, right? And I was constantly hounding and hammering the guys to follow the details and be with the plan and stay on time and don't run over your session. All right, 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 right. And what was the nickname you guys gave me? Preparation H. Preparation H. My Harper, Harpo, right, was my call sign. Uh, you, can, you can extrapolate that into the humorous parts of it. You can see it real good. And now we can laugh. Being present in the moment allows us to see some humor in some things. If there's one little task I could learn when I see something funny, when I hear something delicious, when uh, a little thing comes my way, and I'm actually getting better at this, I'll be able to stop and pause and silence the rest of it and enjoy the moment and laugh. You know, laughter just cleanses the soul. Uh, I was talking about how a good belly laugh over things, all, bring all your troubles to the table, and you can laugh about them with a good belly laugh. It kind of washes them clean for the day. You know, uh, we get caught up in how things go, too. You know, like it didn't go according to the plan that I came up with. But again, we don't know what God's plan is. Oh, we don't. And, you know, maybe God's plan was, was working itself out in our failure, yeah. Our miserable failure, and all we remember is how we failed and we didn't pull it off. Right. And, and we have no idea right. what happened and how people are touched. Right. You know, I, I've seen that happen in my own life many times. Because I fail pretty well. I'm pretty good at that. I think <laughs> I've got that down. <laughs> well, maybe what you've really got down is how you overcome failure. Right. True. That's more important, True. probably, than the... You know, creating a stellar project. And, and there's an overemphasis, I would say, that I have had on success and failure. Mm. You know, so that every task I do is just fraught with, am I going to succeed? Am I going to be able to do this? Mm -hmm. No matter how insignificant it is. Mm -hmm. um, to put it all in perspective about trying to make things happen in this world, um, I have a saying I learned from the military and really talking, I heard this first from John Eldridge regarding spiritual warfare. All pre-mission planning becomes null and void upon first contact with the enemy. <laughs> but you still have to have a plan. That was certainly true in RTG. We had to pray over the equipment and pray over everything. And then 
rigid flexibility. Uh, and when, you know, maybe that's part of being present. When things start to go awry, you back off from trying to manage all these, keeps all these spinning plates in the air that are crashing to the ground, and you step back and say, God, what are you up to here? Is that part of it? The being present in our, in our, in our purpose. Yeah, leaving. Well, we have to leave room. You know that God is my co-pilot. Usually, there's a it's a one seater in our plane, and we don't leave any room for him. <laughs> funny, I was laughing because I was thinking of one of the last retreats we did. We had this. You remember where you were? You were you you brought us all into the room, the whole team, and you had this this board up a yeah. chalkboard, and you were yeah, yeah. diagramming how the guys were going to finish the last session. Yeah. They were going to get a blessing and go out the door. Right. And you had this like pointer, and it was like General Patton was up there with all his with all, <laughs> with all his uh, captains, and he's telling them, you know. And uh, I was in the back laughing at it, you know. It was I think you called it Operation Man Flow. Or something. <laughs> and I'm, I mean I. I had the, the leisure of being able to laugh because it wasn't my project. But if I had been in charge, I probably would have been up there sweating and, you know, stressing out on it. But uh, but anyway, just to let the audience know, Operation Manflow went well. Even if it didn't go according to Bill's plan, it went well and everybody was happy. That I remember as such a beautiful gift of God in laughter because it was the last day of the retreat. Everything's teeting up. We're going to make this come off well. And we're all really dedicated to seeing it happen. And I was stressed. And I, as I was on the board, you know, diagrams, I turn around and everybody in the audience there is smiling and su suppressing. They're shaking with laughter. And I go, what? And when you guys describe the, the humor of this situation, I had a belly laugh. Everybody had a belly laugh. And it just washed away all the tension. Yeah. And if I was to be present more, God would do that to me more often to find the beautiful, funny, humorous things. Because I really think laughter just washes it all away. Yeah. Find something to laugh about. And my dad was really good at that. He had a great sense of humor. God rest his soul. But again, it goes back to that, you know, if you think of that moment as a piece of your artwork and the overall scheme of your your calling as an artist that was you know it wasn't that significant mm. and yet we can we can invest so much mm. energy into those moments when it's supposed to be so important instead of just stepping back and go you know this isn't in the grand scheme of things these things aren't that important did yeah. we just say that there is a balance between the martha and the mary yeah, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. and somebody's. Got, I was certainly the Martha spirit yeah, you during were in full that. Martha mode, right? For sure. And maybe that that group of laughter because the spirit Jesus was yeah. in all of it, yeah. and that that group laughter. And yeah. I remember the peals of laughter. It disarmed yeah. us all. We set out for that yeah. morning with a whole bunch of joy, yeah. and a lot less troubles. That was just the merry part. Just be present at the feet of God. It's He's in there talking to us and giving us wonderful things the whole time. Wow. We're talking about purpose here. This is Bill Harper with Chris Galliano, and the topic statement was, we don't think that God put us here to be happy necessarily. He's put us here for a purpose. And back in 2005 in my awakening and recovery, and we started forming these retreats by 2007, and we were doing them full-blown, that laughter thing was probably 2012 or 2011 mm -hmm. when we did that. And now I know 
that my purpose is helping others, is rescuing others, is sharing this powerful message of redemption and beauty and hope to others, hopefully through the radio, hopefully with small men's groups. I'm learning to connect with other souls, and I feel a joy. I, I also don't... I'm not too worried about how this podcast is going to come out. You know, the details. You're, you're so, yeah. You release the outcome of a single piece of it mm-hmm. because there's a bigger program. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with, with purpose. You know, you hear that, oh, yeah, I need to find my purpose. Well, that's a lifelong struggle for, all, I think, a lot of people. I mean, there's always those... I call them freaks. You can call them what you want. People that know their purpose, even when they're a child, like they just know. And maybe they don't really know. Maybe they're going down the wrong path. They're following their father's Mm. path or something uh, or a romantic notion of something that they're supposed to do. But I mean, for most people, I think finding their their purpose is a very tough thing. Uh, One of the things that was interesting in one of the talks I was listening to on that, the guy was saying that, um, you know, we don't. It's not like it comes to us in some sort of epiphany. I mean, maybe it does for some, but we find our purpose by doing it, and then we grow in it. You know, it's it's like a, it's slowly revealed to us, and it, it grows, right. and we grow into it. It's almost like you, you have to experience it right. to know that's what you... Like the podcast falling into your lap, and right. as you do them, it right. becomes part of it, and you say, hey, this is part of my purpose. Right. The speed at which God does his work. You notice Jesus did not come into this planet as a fully formed human being. Mm -hmm. He had to grow up. Mm -hmm. He also, God-man, had Mm -hmm. to spend 30 years Mm -hmm. growing up into a man. Mm -hmm. And God works at a much slower speed than we would like him to, or something like that. Patience. He's working this out in us, and he's, yeah, when I think about the patience. Wow. Well, I hope, folks out there, that you've heard us share about purpose and uh, perspective, slowing down and being present like Mary, even if you're having to do the Martha work. The trick is to do them both. Watch out for the hook of comparison when you compare yourself to others. The line from Desiderata comes up, the wonderful poem Desiderata says, if you compare yourself to others, you will become vain and bitter because there will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Um, Or if you compare yourself to others uh, as to what they're doing and what you're doing and what they're not doing, then you get into the comparison thing and it's not good. I guess the point is knowing when to put your oxygen mask on. Well, and then... uh Focusing on your own purpose removes all of that. Uh-huh. I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to be a bum in the street. Uh-huh. I don't have to be president. Uh-huh. I have to be what God's calling me to be. Yes. And that frees me up. And if I'm being the best me that God has called me to be and living out of my purpose, I'm free from all those other things. I don't need to compare myself in any way. Yeah, 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 yeah. This analogy keeps coming up. If you've ever been on an airline flight and they have the, the uh, safety briefing, they say, if the oxygen mask dropped down... Pull it firmly firmly towards you and put it on your face to start the flow of oxygen. Make sure you put your own mask on first before you help anybody else. And now I'm starting to see that Martha and Mary scenario where Jesus may not have been saying, Martha, Martha, with disdain. I don't think Jesus would speak 
with disdain ever to one of his beloved mm. people. Mm. I don't think he ever spoke with disdain. So the shaking of the head, Martha, Martha, as mm. I've often have him said, Bill, Bill, was not disdainful. But it may be, and this is what I'm just going to go with, he's saying, Martha, Martha, come here and put your oxygen mask on mm. thing. When we get all wrapped up in the world, in the task, in the raging river of life, Bill, Bill, oxygen, right? Yeah. Sit at the feet of Christ, which is being present, which is being in the moment, which is seeing the joy and the things around us. I guess that's the message for today that I'm taking home. Thank you I'm, as I solidify this with you, Chris. I just want to say that I think that purpose is, is so vital. Uh, you know, when I think of that, that we're given a role to play and that if we don't play it, I mean, our unique role, not just in some category, but uniquely, if we don't live that out, others suffer because we were supposed to be something for them. And I think about how, I think of like current events where you have all these young people out, rage monsters, roaming around the streets, burning buildings, looting. And I think about what a loss of purpose. I mean, that is the true tragedy. It's not the burned buildings. It's the burned down lives. If they were living out of their purpose, if they knew who they were and what they were supposed to be doing, and they were doing that, contributing to the world, making it a better place that way, you know, we wouldn't have these problems. But it's, it's so much waste. Mm. You know, I remember Emerson saying that. I think I said that before, that one of the greatest losses that the world experiences is when someone just takes a job. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to take a job. Yeah. You just have to be a Martha and you have to pay the bills. But that doesn't exclude you from pursuing your purpose and living out of it simultaneously. Right. And being aware of that. It's a mysterious subject. It's uh, slippery. It's hard to define. But for me, what I'm learning is to be more and more present and listen to the quiet spirit Slow down to catch up with God. Check this out, people. Jesus moved at three miles an hour, and he, and he met everybody he worked with. Do we live at three miles an hour? No. That's, in, that's the notion of slowing down to catch up with God. Being present, and I'll probably get a better idea of exactly what my next move and my purpose. My purpose for this moment might be to sit back and laugh and enjoy the sunset. Or the immediate task. Is that part of my purpose to connecting with joy yeah i think they're connected i think they are it's been a really good time to talk with you chris same here this is bill harper again with chris galliano you got to go back and check out the podcast on little bombanani's really big thought chris has just published a book uh he could use the income i encourage you to buy that book little bombanani's really big thought is for sale on amazon Okay. You almost got it. You were close. It's I pronounce it Bambanani. Then again, I don't know. Bambanani. Bambanani. Bam. It is an amazing children's book because the message is for adults and the message is so poignant, spot on for our country in the midst of this chaos right now. I recommend it highly. So everybody, we have been enjoyed talking to you today. This is Bill Harper with Chris Galliano on Wave 94 FM. And I'd like to remind you listeners that this is part one of a two-part series. So I hope you can pick up the next one coming up soon on Wave 94 FM.